Holy shit, Craig. Hey Jeff. Well, that's you know, <laughs> since we're since we're recording so far after the game, I, I appreciate that your doesn't feigned, even matter. Your, this is like I appreciate crazy your fame enthusiasm, <laughs> dude. Like it's okay. I mean, it's Wednesday night, and still, I'm just like, holy shit! I still can't believe that happened. I'm sitting here staring at the stat sheet at the box score, and I'm like, I still can't believe that we won by two touchdowns, and it wasn't even that close. Like. Yeah, it, it's and by the way, Arizona State ends up outgaining us, right? Well, like yards per play. I, I know, I know, but still, yards per play were about that. I mean, just like eh, you know, I just it it still sort of blows my mind. Like this whole situation is kind of kind of uh, uh, like I said, yeah, blowing my mind a little bit, blowing my mind a little bit. Well, this is podcast versus everyone. I'm Craig Powers. This is episode. You got it up there. Shoot, I have other yeah, stuff up. One forty-four, episode one forty-four. I had to close yeah. some tabs. Um, this is episode one forty-four. Uh, we're here to talk about. Uh, or I'm Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Newser, and we're here to talk uh, about uh, another WSU win. You know, the fifth yeah. one this year against all odds. A- another perplexing WSU win that we did not see coming. <laughs> Again, the most. <laughs> difficult to pin down team yeah like i've ever had to uh pay this close of attention to so it's just it's it's nuts like that i it it definitely at the start when they get out to you know like 14-0 arizona's turned the ball over three times you're like well they've scored two they, they blew one chance but they scored two Yep, and so like you can't really be too mad about it, but then you're thinking like, okay, we were up 14 W, n- nothing against USC. We had big league against Oregon last year. We had, you know, there's uh, all these games where they've had a leader. You know, the Utah game last year. There's all these games where they've had a big lead that are not too far in the distant memory that they blew, and yeah. it probably wasn't until. They got to twenty eight nothing, and then of course ASU answers right away. But the twenty eight nothing, you saw, you kind of started feeling a little better. That still yeah. isn't at our what our you know we said thirty eight points or whatever it needs to be. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it was it's just crazy to start a game, three turnovers, then a turnover on downs, uh, then a missed field goal after a after a um, a false start on a made field goal like that was just absolutely like everything going wsu's way and they took advantage of it the offense took advantage of it and they built a huge lead and then they really just played protection in the second half they just protected the lead and they did a fine job of it uh it doesn't look as 
pretty at the end, but still it's a 13-point win over a team that was favored by between 15 and 17 points, depending on where you're, you were looking, which that's just bonkers 28-point, 30-point turnaround from the spread yep. is, is crazy. Um, you don't see that happen very often. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and then even, you know, some of the analytical things we looked at, it was the, the spread was pretty similar and just, it was great to see, uh, the offense play really well. Cause it wasn't just that they were getting short fields and scoring. Uh, they, they scored on s- some long drives in the first half as well. And they were getting big plays. Um, the, the run and shoot was looking like the run and shoot. There's definitely one play I want to talk about in particular there, but overall, man, what, what a blast, like how fun to just beat the crap out of a good team on the road that you, that we honestly did not think they were not many people thought they were going to win maybe outside of themselves. And they just went down and, and smacked someone around. And that was pretty awesome. There was every reason to think that they would get beat and beat pretty handily, right? Like uh, you looked at things like, uh, you know, the Arizona State was coming off a bye. We're obviously dealing with what we're dealing with, with the coaching situation. Um, you know, th- there was just sort of every reason in the world. You know, we played at Arizona State. Tempe is a place where we typically don't play all that well. Um, but, oh, by the way, like now all of a sudden we've won like two of our last three games there or something. So now it's like, I don't know, maybe we can. Oh no, Jeff, they hadn't won in Tempe since 2016, which they reminded of us a million times. It's like, yes, uh, they won in 2016. They played one game since them in 2019 and they lost that one. So barely, barely. That's what was crazy. Right. It's, it's, it's like someone comes up with that stat and it, and it has no, or that it's not really a stat. It's just a, a, a fact. But it has fact, like no right. contents, what no context whatsoever. Like yeah, they haven't beaten, but now actually they've won. Like you said, two of their last three games in Tempe, <laughs> and, and really should lost be, the other one. Really, should yeah, be really ought to be on a three-game win streak. That that last loss in Tempe was. You know, we don't need to rehash that, but it's like felt like, you know, we definitely should have won that one, too. So it's like, yeah, all of a sudden, apparently we can win in Tempe now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just there, there was every reason to think that they wouldn't do well. I mean, you and I both predicted losses. And uh, after the game, we got our comeuppance right with the uh, the gifts, the the you're an idiot Ooh. gifts, which yeah. uh, made me so happy. I So I had to run out the door literally as like the clock hit zero. Um, I, like I finished the recap pushed like pushed publish and ran out the door um and uh so later on when i when i turned my basically turned my phone back on i was doing a family thing and like my twitter was full of those those gifts and that made me smile made me happy it uh, reminded me of that good feeling well yeah i had to you know i watched the second half on dvr and i i know i knew it was 28 7 when we went to get our little family photos taken and then i get back and it's pretty far we uh it was in the same place. One of one of Amanda's better best friends, like, was also there for, with her family, getting them taken. She's the one that told us about it. They were like the spot after us, so they were talking, and I and I think Amanda really wanted to. They all wanted to go get lunch or something, but Amanda's just like uh, Craig wants to go watch a football game, and so you know I, I was like, <laughs> well, yeah. And then I had to like you know the radio was on seven ten. 
uh, when I yeah. turned the car on, but it was like the game was still going when I got oh, in the yeah. car. Like it was towards the end, so I was like, ah, and I like turned it You're off. Like oh shit! And then, then, then I realized that I had I had left it on uh, FS1 um, when I turned the TV off, so it was going to be on that when I turned it on. So I had Amanda go in and uh, <laughs> and change the channel for me, so I could just. I've get done to that the before, DVR where recording. I hold up I hold up my hand. Where I know that the score is going to be so that I can yeah. turn the TV on and then like try to rewind or something like. Yeah. 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 That's so I So, yeah, I uh, luckily she took care of that for me. And yeah, so I what just a, fast what forward. A good partner. What a good partner. And so I fast forward through the second half and and all that stuff, you know, because um, really like there wasn't a lot of action going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he was just get, getting a few nice. Uh, runs here and there just like really just trying to burn clock as much as they could and they had uh you know one drive in particular where they were able to do that you know a couple oh, really yeah. in the fourth quarter they did really a job in the fourth quarter uh they, yeah. they turned about you know 10 minutes off the clock and almost 10 minutes off the clock in the fourth that, quarter. that one drive that you're talking about is the drive of the season and all it got was a field goal because it covered eleven, it covered forty-two yards in eleven plays, and took six minutes and twenty-three damn seconds to go forty damn yards. They got it was the greatest thing. Like it was, you know, it just like that whole second half. I mean, I wasn't waiting for the collapse, but I just was kind of waiting for it to get tight. I'm like, some, you know, yeah, like if we're not scoring any points, you know, Arizona State's got a really good offense, like. You know, it's like something is going to happen, right? Um, and it never did, really, right? Except for a couple of garbage time, you know, touchdowns. So it's like, I, it just is like, I don't know, man. That that drive was what really made it just feel like, okay, you know, this this game is over. I mean, I, I know I mentioned the yards per yeah. play. Obviously, that kind of tamped down the yards per play. I mean, our last three drives all ended in field goals. It, they, it was well, the whole second like half, they were. They weren't yeah. really trying that hard Not really. to run the offense. Yeah. No. Nope. And which they I, which at first it felt like, okay, maybe we're pushing our luck a little bit, right? Yeah. That you know, we're not we're not being more aggressive, we're not moving the ball, but you know, the the faith in the defense was you know, the faith in the dif- defense was warranted. Um Yeah, they can't they you know, came if, out second half and just it, the offense wasn't dominated. doing anything. Yeah, so yeah. they so offense comes out, gets the ball first half, three and out, punt, and two more punts after that. What does ASU do with all that momentum from that touchdown right before the half? Yeah. They go punt, punt, INT, punt. Like, yep. And then they only four for 16, six for 20, five for 16, three for negative seven. So they yep. weren't even getting, you know, they were not even getting four. four their, their best drive had four yards of play. In those those first four until until the score got thirty four to seven and WSU went and yeah. prevent defense and just like right. let ASU throw the ball around right and one of the touchdowns was off of a a giant uh, kickoff return that went all the way to WSU's forty so they only had to cover forty you know forty yards to get the touchdown so you yep. know hooray good for you but like those first four drives I mean that's epic you're talking okay ten fifteen eighteen plays eighteen plays and they covered. Uh, 32, 52 minus seven, 45 yards yeah. in their first four drives. That was it. Like Against a, an I, offense that has been very good. Cause much, we can make, we, we can make a, a lot about 
the you know the interceptions, the fumbles, you know the turnovers, but when it when they can do that to a good offense, that's even more impressive because yeah. fumbles. Oh yeah, are 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 are, are a luck can often be a lucky endeavor. Obviously, they're obviously this team goes for fumbles strip goes for strips, and that might be part of the reason why they miss so many damn tackles. But and and it it did just hit the lottery with trying to strip the ball in this game. I mean, even they have ASU's third fumble. It was, I think, caused by another ASU player. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they were just having all the fortune when it came to fumbles. Uh, but but yeah, when they can go through four straight drives and just put the game away with those yeah. drives while while the offense is doing almost nothing. Um, yeah. And in the yeah, first half that, was. I was gonna say the first half was. I mean, if we want to go there, we can say the first half was a little fluky, right? Like, and not like in a derogatory well, disparaging the first two way. drives yeah i mean um, i'm not i'm not putting them down to say that it's fluky i'm just saying like you know fumble fumble interception it's like eh, you know okay so the interception was was a great play and arizona state was struggling to move the ball a little bit but those first two fumbles it's like you know i mean that doesn't happen very downs. often right <laughs> yeah i mean it doesn't happen very often so okay so you've got that but the you know in the second half though I mean there's just there was just no arguing in the second half that what? um yeah. that they were absolutely dominant I mean there was absolutely nothing nothing at all fluky about what the defense did in the second half um to see them do that w- was honestly pretty shocking um I mean cuz look I've been I've been skeptical I've been I've been vocal about my skepticism about the defense the whole way right I mean I've I've said all sorts of stuff like you know well you can't count on fumbles you can't da 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 you know and and by the way the BYU game sort of proved that right like in in the sense that look if the other team is not going to give you anything then the other team's not going to give you anything. BYU came into the game, one of the best teams at taking care of the ball. They took care of the ball, and that was kind of a big difference in the game, right? But, you know, the reality is most other teams don't do that, don't do that well. And so, you know, if you make it, uh, apparently, if you make it a an emphasis to go and try and, you know, uh, strip the ball and, and you know, punch the ball out or whatever, um, you know, you can get, you can get the ball on the ground a little bit more than you otherwise would. And, um, you know, that's turned out to be, you know, I don't know if it's like, like I said, a sustainable strategy because BY, the BYU game kind of shows you the limitations of it, but it is a viable strategy in terms of helping you out. And no doubt, no doubt it helped them in this game. And the reality is that, you know, look, I, I, I predicted four wins for this team back in August. Um, and the main reason why, if anybody goes back and listens to that podcast, I don't know why you would, but if you did, you would hear me say the main reason why is, look, I expect some regression out of the offense. I don't think this is like a top 10 offense. I think this is like a, like maybe like a top 40 offense. Okay. So to balance that out, if we're going like, uh, you know, if we're talking like trying to go six and six or seven and five or something, then the defense has to go from like the hundreds up to like. 60 70 like I mean it's got to jump way up there and I just was skeptical that that was possible I didn't think the talent was that good but I think what we're seeing is that the coaching staff was really really smart in the way that they built the defense um you know they they went after a ton of reinforcements in the secondary um not that 
you know, the, the reinforcements secondary are all playing right now, but, um, but they're all there and, and guys are just coming up big. They're developing. We knew Jalen Watson was good. That was a given, but Derek Langford on the, at the other corner has really, really come along. Uh, Daniel Isom has turned into an incredibly steady safety. And then George Hicks, right. Who is a converted corner, um, has been really, really good at, at the other safety spot. And then you've got our Marty Marsh playing that nickel spot and, and which has been like a, a position of strength for WSU when the defense has been good, you know, whether it's Hunter Dale or somebody else like the, that, that nickel or, or Shalom Luani played in that nickel spot. Like that's when they've been really good is when they've had um, a really good nickel. And right now Armani Marsh looks like that. So, you know, all the credit in the world to those guys. And then the, we keep talking about how small the defensive tackles are. And yet um, they just keep getting better and they keep figuring out ways to, to stop, um, potent running attacks, you know, I mean, BYU, as much as we talked about the final result against BYU, um, the reality was that those numbers were skewed a little bit by that last drive. They did get leaned on in that last drive. That, that was the phrase that Dickert used. Um, you know, but before that, it was certainly in the, I, like, I don't know if like, I would call it that like, it wasn't good, but I, but maybe like acceptable, realm in terms of the run defense i mean look byu only scores 21 points so it's not like they got you know explosively run over up and down the field like at this point you have to say this is a good fucking defense um and it's a pretty good defense against the run and uh that is not something i ever in a million years thought i would say and it's the kind of thing that makes you think like when you're taking on, you know, Oregon and Arizona and Washington to finish the year, um, two of those teams are teams that are are pretty, you know, power football type teams with Oregon and Washington. Like it makes you feel like, you know, God, you know, God forbid and please forgive me, but makes you feel like you have actually a fucking chance uh, both against Oregon and against Washington. I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, I, I'm still skeptical that they're good against the run. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know about that. Could we? Could we agree that they're at least not bad anymore? I, I, they're not bad. Not willing at, to go that far either. T- they're not bad at times, but okay, they still will struggle when because when teams like I mean, you look at Oregon State just ripped them apart in the second half on the run. BYU effectively ended the game in the, in the second half with, uh, with, by running the ball. And I, and maybe it's just more, they struggle more against traditional run teams and a team like ASU who isn't under center and pounding the ball. They're they're more of a, of a zone zone read type running attack. Maybe they yeah. do better against those because those those typic those will more often go what go to the outside than sure. than than not. And what we've seen is they're they're very good if they can if if the play is stretched out. They they're very yes. good at that. Yep. And if Lots they can speed, get in that short yardage situation, yep. you know, we talked about that turnover and downs on the third play. First, Poulet made a great play to uh, for on a, on a screen on the the play before to force them into a fourth and one. Yep. And the inside the the tackles get just enough push so that the guy decides the running back decides to take it out, and that's where we're good. It, we we have fast linebackers. We we you know we that's where our our talent is 
is on the outside. We have we have fast defensive ends. So yeah, stretch that out against us all day. And that's the where it really worked out. Maybe those traditional running attacks are really what get us. You know, the under center uh, pounding. Because so, that's more like how BYU operated and more how Oregon State operates. And they were able to have a little more success. Uh, but, you know, ASU didn't. I mean, they're, they're, their top guy still went 19 for 89. So that's not like a terrible, like you didn't have a terrible day. Uh, I think they definitely like stopped Jaden Daniels more than I thought they would. Uh, yeah, he didn't uh, do anything. Yeah, he just he had, had one. one like, he had like one, that one conversion. He had one like 70 yard, 70 yard touchdown that got called back as a hold, which also happened because there was a hold. Like, but it, it, but, uh, it happened because there was a hold for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, so maybe, you know, against a team like Oregon, that, that could be a positive, you know, cause Oregon obviously does not go under center and, and hand the ball off. Yeah. Um, I mean, UW does, but also UW isn't very good. So yes. they, they do not have the potency of a running game that BYU and Oregon state do. Yeah. So maybe they're not as scary, but but yeah, it'll be interesting to see against Oregon, who isn't a better offense than Arizona State. Like they're, they're maybe around the same at at best, you know. Yeah. Uh, they'll def- Their quarterback's not nearly as scary. No. As Daniels. But yeah, but yeah, I I think they like we've talked about this season. They have the ability to make big plays in the run game, and. They've just been very good at timing those plays. Uh, they, they've stepped up. They, you know, it's that fourth down magic we joke about. The third down yep. magic. Um, they come up with, or you know, it's it's uh, it it it's getting holding the the run to four instead of six or seven on first down, which they they were able to do against ASU quite a bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe. I mean, ASU was without their top running back. We have to say that as well. But um, uh, so <laughs> would have stopped his ass too. <laughs> as we're like Rashad oh, if only, White. If only Whatever. we had Dion McIntosh against BYU, fifteenth uh, yeah. ranked BYU now. By the way, I um, know. <laughs> oh my god, seventeen ranked Mississippi State. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so I, sorry, I guess started thinking about that, now. but yeah, so defensively, I, I think what sets it up often to what kind of helps them be good, better against the run than maybe the talent that they have is the fact that they are so talented in the back end, like you were describing, yeah. um, that they can kind of trust those guys. You know, I was kind of, I was kind of bummed one of those touchdowns. I think it was the first half touchdown. Like Watson kind of got beat, but I think he was expecting the Hicks to do a little bit better um, covering behind him. Yeah, um, he kind of got turned around a little bit. It looked, yeah. looked like he was kind of expecting something, and then it wasn't there. And then he was like, "Wait a second. And yeah. but I don't. Want that to was that. That, that looked bad all around. But I. But I. But I really want to talk about um, kind of the offense some more. Yeah, having so they first off let's start. They ran the ball forty two times. Obviously, that was a function of the score. 
as much as yeah. anything. Yeah. Because uh, Nikia Watson had five carries in this game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, but, um, yep. but also, my freaking, apparently I've been taught, like, my computer just went to sleep, but it's back. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but also, it was like both Max and Dion had nice games, like in their uh-huh. own styles. And yep. it was very, they was very much indicative. But, you know, they, they're obviously, they, they trust Dion more in short yardage. Um, and they were able to lean on him for that. And, but Max, he did his thing. You know, he had a few plays where he, probably cut outside when he didn't need to and he got tackled and for a loss but he also had some plays where he cut outside and he picked up huge gains so um it was it was cool to see both of the running backs uh have nice days um and and both have a big impact on the game and then nikia watson had basically four rushes for nothing and then one really nice rush <laughs> that what that was huge it ended up taking you know, yeah. an extra two minutes off the car i think it made asu yep. burn a few timeouts so that was that was nice um but so 42 times running the, I, I hope our fans don't take away that we need to run the ball more because that was just <laughs> wasting the clock out that that yeah. it, that's always like you know if we run the ball 30 times we always win it's like you know those type right. of things they say in the nfl or whatever yeah. It's like yeah, because you're running the ball because you have the lead. Um, but right. really, I it was really fun to watch uh, the passing game, and, and particularly uh, again getting big plays. And that was we were wondering if they would be able to get big plays. They were not able to do it against BYU um, like they had been doing, but it, it was back. And you know, yep. Uh, Delora dropped a in Delora for, for all the accuracy accuracy struggles he's had and, and he did you know he had a few in this game too um particularly one he missed a touchdown pass to Ollie in, in the in the second half um but but other, other than that like absolute dime to Travell Harris for uh the first touchdown or the his first passing touchdown and then a, an amazing like back shoulder throw to uh calvin jackson down the field uh later on uh that put them put him in, in a goal to go situation um had some really nice throws and then my favorite of all which was the most the most run and shoot play you're ever gonna see like was the the touchdown to make it 28-0 to calvin jackson yep where and, and what makes it so run and shoot is the adjustment that both quarterback and running back made in that um, obviously Jaden was a, was ready to throw the the stop or the out. Like you could see he, he was in full motion. But then they both saw that safety creep up. He took a step forward. And he, it's a very, when you look at the replay, it's a very obvious step forward. He was looking for that yeah. pass. And Jackson yep. saw it, and and Jaden saw Jackson see it, and that's 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 the run and shoot. You adjust. You 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 have. It's all option routes, like all the time. And so so, uh, Jackson just broke it off, and Jaden kind of it kind of worked out that he couldn't get a ton on it because it kind of put Jackson in this perfect spot to run, you know, like on perfect on the run angle to score. And then, of course, Travell Harris uh, celebrating 
uh, instead of blocking, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he was celebrating. Like, it was kind of a half celebration, half just kind of get slightly in the way block, you know, because that's all that was really necessary on that. Um, but, yeah, that was that was fun. I, the throw, I think. Uh, it was it was maybe like a like a half an inch from being a disaster because if uh, if Delora because Delora wasn't pump faking to get somebody out of the way like he was legitimately no, going to throw the ball, the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and he stopped and like was able to hold on to the ball so so that was great and then he's all off balance and he realizes okay he's you know s- slipped back into this you know, into this, uh, you know, this soft spot in the zone and, you know, floats it right in just a gorgeous little flick. Um, I, you know, I, I remain convinced that Delora is like kind of at his best when he's not thinking at all. Like when he's just sort of like on the move and making plays and just kind of lets it fly in that way. And he doesn't have to think about, you know, his mechanics or anything. Um, and he, cause he just makes this, you know, just like his, as you described this, this great throw and, um, tremendous individual effort from Calvin Jackson who had, you know, who is having a, an incredible season um, and, and really had sort of the game of his life, you know, didn't have any of the drop issues that we saw the week before against BYU and that have, you know, cropped up at uh, various times this year. And then, uh, you know, just the the yards after the catch. I mean, it, it was it was one of the things you talked about is, is that the offense did it in multiple ways in this game, which I think is sort of like the coolest part, um, because I went through that first half and I kept trying to like be like, you know, I mean, it, it, at some point you've been through enough as a Coug fan that you're just kind of waiting for the, for the bad thing to happen. Right. And I'm like, so we get to halftime and I'm kind of looking at everything. I'm trying to think like, okay, what, what's the bad thing, right? What, when's the bad thing coming? And well, we did remember they kind of, did have that, the shovel pass interception. Yes. And, and so that was the, the one, de- the defense held for the missed field goal. Right. Yeah. After that. So yeah. That, they were like, huh? Really? <laughs> yeah. But the way the offense was going, like they were, you know, they had short passes, they had some explosive passes, they had some short runs, they had some explosive runs, like they they had some power running, they had some stretch running, like it really was um, a varied offense. And, you know, I mean, let's just let's just say it like Brian Smith was was kind of under the gun as as the offensive coordinator to like show that he could do this. And uh, I don't know how you do much better than that. I mean, even the the interception, it sure looked like Delora was expecting Borgie to kind of sit right mm-hmm. behind the line, um, which would make sense on a on a shovel pass. Like that would make sense that that's where you would sit, and then you would take the ball upfield after you catch it. You wouldn't you wouldn't think you would be trying to catch a shovel pass on the run. Yeah. So uh, the fact that Borgie kind of ran right through that and was kind of running almost a daylight just like it never really made any sense so the throw ended up behind him and guy intercepts it whatever so uh but outside of that you know basically you know four touchdowns i mean that's uh, you know i i don't know i don't know how you do a whole lot better than that than four touchdowns and a half and doing it the way they did it so it's almost a it's almost a bummer that from an offensive perspective that they had such a big lead in the second half because it would have been kind of fun to see what they could have put on asu because they really yeah. were not trying very hard to score in the second half. Like they were, they were looking to to especially when it got at when it got about midway through the third quarter and ASU hadn't scored again. Then it was really hold on time and let's just let's churn some clock. And they really started leaning on the run and short passes, things like that. And so it it might have been fun to see 
if they could have, you know, put up, you know, see, see what, because, you know, the, the, the offensive numbers don't look amazing. Although 400 yards, given how they were just running the ball a bunch in the second half is pretty impressive and, and still 5.8 yards of play when the defense knew what you're going to be doing for an entire quarter is good. And so it, but yeah, it's just fun that the offense has made such big strides this season from where they started. And and a lot of that's due to Jaden's, and we, we talk about this a lot, but a lot of that's due to Jaden's uh, kind of, you know, say maturation, but just really kind of mastery. I think that's a of the that's offense, a good word. You know? um, that is a good it's, word. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's just. He's he's getting better at a lot of the little things, and then that and that's tra- like you know his his footwork. His footwork still has needs work but but he's getting better at it and that's that's leading to results he's making smarter decisions um yeah because i yeah like you said i don't i don't put that interception on him at all he was supposed to do that and and yeah i don't think borgie was in the right spot honestly but it but yeah just to just to see him finally like hit on some throws uh that, that maybe he's missed in in previous games and 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 kind of you know make that run and shoot play we talked about uh when garantano was playing against utah utah and it the kind of the nail in the coffin you know the play of the game was utah state's pick six where it was that pretty much same route combination that same option route that jackson ran um he was running either uh, kind of a quick out, or he was going to turn it upfield, depending on what the defender did. And against Utah, he decided he did the same thing. He saw the defender was playing for the out, and he went up. And but Garantano wasn't on that same page. Here we see what happens when the quarterback is able to react the same way as the receiver. I mean, you get a touchdown, and you make you get big plays. So I'm I'm hoping that that's just like the start of something, and it just feels like this offense is just getting better and better. And we there was maybe a little down against BYU, and we also we know that was kind of driven by the possessions, but also you know you kind of were hoping they do a little bit better against a bad BYU defense. But sometimes there's a lot to obviously they were down half their offensive staff, whatever. But now once they got you know some guys back, uh, Brian Smith is. You know, he's all on his own for the second week. It just looks a lot. It looks really good again. And and it looks like, again, that they're making progress. And that that makes you feel better about the last three, you know, hopefully four games down the stretch here. And uh, well, and obviously they they have everything in front of them at this point. And because now the defense, like like you said earlier, the defense is, is, is better than it was last year. The offense was much worse. Now the offense is playing much better, and it's playing more like a you know like a top thirty ish offense uh, versus kind of the top ninety ish offense, hundred ish offense that they were uh, before. And so that that just makes I feel very positive about what they can do with, with Jaden just playing better, with the backfield healthy, uh, with. Deshaun Stribling makes plays when he gets the ball. Uh, you know, Lincoln Victor didn't see it much, but you know he. We've seen him make plays. 
Uh, Hobart didn't Hobart didn't play much in this game. I think I saw him on the hands team, but he didn't get a target. I don't think. Um, so they they have some even some talent that didn't even get much run in that game, and and they still uh, put up some nice numbers. So uh, it's I'm, I'm feeling very good about this offense, and they have obviously a huge set of games coming up. And, uh, I, I feel like they're going to put up points now, you know, like they're going to put up some points. Yeah. I mean, I don't see any reason to think that any of the last three games are not winnable. Right. I mean, Oregon's good. Like, don't get me wrong. And I'm, you know, in, in a week, I probably will pick Oregon to win, but it's not like I look at it and go, uh, no chance, you know, and then Arizona, uh, you know, obviously that's, you know, that's, that's its own thing. My only concern about that is that the team gets over their skis and takes them lightly on a Friday night. Cause we all know what kind of crazy shit happens yeah, on Fridays after a, after a big game in Eugene and uh, exactly short term with the apple and... cup with the apple cup the next week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean all of that, but you know, Washington's not good. So it's like, you know, again, you look at these last three games and you go, yeah, I mean, do we dare to dream about a Pac-12 North championship? I mean, you know, on, on one of the threads uh, today, you know, Jesse Casino, our, our, you know, our resident coach, uh, you know, was talking about how we could win the North at seven and five overall if things break um sort of the right way because you know we we have a chance essentially to own you know to own the tiebreakers on on the people that that we play so um you know and how we could actually have the north it's not that far-fetched to think we could have the north wrapped up before the apple cup it's like and i don't know you know i don't think any of this stuff is actually gonna happen but it's also sort of mind-blowing that we would consider it because if we sit there and go you know I, i think that most people um you know, when we looked at like our staff predictions back in August, um, and I'm, I don't have them in front of me, so I might just be talking out of my ass, but it certainly seemed like the people who had high hopes for the season and we're talking like seven or eight wins that that was kind of at the top end of, of people's predictions, people who were optimistic, um, you know, those really hinged on winning, essentially winning all three of your non-conference games and then yeah. going on and winning like four Pac-12 games. You know, well, here we are. <laughs> it's like uh, they won one non-conference game. They've already won four uh, Pac-12 games with three Pac-12 games to go. They're four and two in the Pac-12. Like, I, you could not have convinced me there was a scenario where they went four and two in the Pac-12. Now, is the I mean, Pac-12 two of the down wins this coming, year? Two of the wins coming on the road at Cal and, yes. and Tempe. Yes. Right. Like, two places where we always shit ourselves. So... Like this, like, this is how it's going down. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's, it it blows my mind. Like there, there's no reasonable, plausible scenario on which I thought they could be four and two in the, in the conference at this point. And it's just, it's so awesome. And so cool that they are, it's so much fun. Um, I'm so happy for the players, uh, to be able to, you know, as, as disappointed as I was, we, you know, we talked about this as disappointed as we were after BYU, um, you know, I'm equally happy for him now. I, I know that there was a huge contingent of Cougar fans in Tempe, uh, which makes sense. You know, people want to go to Arizona in November. So that's or October. I guess it was October still. But, you know, they they, they want to go down to down to Arizona when it's cold up here. You know, so they did. And I mean, Jack took Jack Ellis, our photographer, 
took a photo down there that literally made it look like a WSU home game. Like the, the number of WSU fans was so thick in, in one area of the stadium that it looked like it might as well have been at home. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure the guys love that, uh, really cool for them to go down there and celebrate, you know, Arizona state looked like we expected our team to look like maybe a little tired, maybe a little weary, uh, you know, maybe just a little flat, um, you know, after everything that the WCU has been through and, and it's, it's crazy that ASU is the team. Now they've been through their own stuff. Like we didn't really talk much about that, but I mean, they've been through the, their own shit with their, they've had coaches put on leave and they've got, you know, potential NCAA penalties hanging over them. And, uh, they've got their, you think our recruiting class is bad. They've got like almost no recruits at all. Um, so there's just kind of a pall over the program. And then also you kind of maybe got a little, just a tiny little bit of a look behind the curtain uh, when Herm Edwards comes out after the game and basically blames his players. Um, You know, like, like that, that sort of thing maybe tells you that, that things aren't maybe so great behind the scenes. Cause you know, Mike Leach was famous for um, his first couple of years, you know, maybe airing some guys out and uh, you know, and I didn't know if the criticism of that was always, you know, fair, but I will say this, that sort of stuff kind of went away the last five, six years. Um, you know, as, as the players turned over and as he got his guys and as the program culture got into place and everything, you know, we didn't hear so much about, you know, guys being soft or whatever that, that he kind of got into. Um, and so I guess what I'm saying is like those first couple of years when Leach was talking like that, it was an indicator that maybe, you know, things were not okay. Right. And as it turned out, they really weren't okay. Uh, so then I look at what Herm Edwards said and I go, eh. You know, are, are things maybe not okay down at Arizona State? Um, you know, maybe they're maybe the, the problems run a little deeper um, and, and a little wider than than maybe we realize at this point. So, I, you know, awesome for our guys to be able to go down there and do that. I was so happy for them. It was so much fun to watch. All I could do was laugh in the first half. I, would, I just like I couldn't really believe um, what I was seeing. And, you know, I mean, I God, I hope these guys, you know, finish strong, man, like um, because it's this has been too much fun. Uh, now that we've got, you know, the Rolovich stuff behind us, um, you know, I, I think what it is, what we see is that it's definitely it's it's the players and it's always been the players. It's why Rolovich's complaints about, oh, man, you know, last year, I don't know if we would have been tough enough to win this game. It's why I always thought that was a bunch of bullshit, uh, because these players are tough and they've always yep. been tough. And it's always been all the coaches always have had to do is put him in a position to, to do what they do. And, uh, and I, that's what they're showing right now. So uh, I didn't write a Monday after this week cause, uh, Halloween on Sunday and you and I went to the Sounders on Monday and I just went, you know what, forget it. Uh, but ha- if I had written it, like I, I kind of had the a skeleton outline, that's what it was going to be about. It was going to be, man, it is the players. It's always been the players and these guys, these guys are special. Um, and they deserve really, you know, coaches get a lot of credit. They get too much credit. Um, a lot of times, you know, these guys, these guys are the ones that deserve the credit, man. Cause they're, they are fighting like crazy. And, uh, and, and it really is truly remarkable what they, what they continue to do in the face of, uh, you know, really tremendous adversity. Yeah. And it was such a bummer, you know, to see them lose, uh, against BYU and they, they, it very clearly affected them. It was real tough. They had such a tough week, but it's, it's so cool to see them go down and get this win. Um, and, and you don't hear, and one thing I liked, um, that I heard from Dicker, which is, is they, they don't, he said they don't play into the underdog stuff because 
they they want to feel like they can win every game, right? So, um, and I feel like that's that's more him feeding off the players than necessarily him saying the tone, like because that's what you feel like these players genuinely believe is that they can beat yeah. anyone, and they pretty and not much just that they that can, but that they should. Like yeah, they, they I think should. they think they should. They're like, yeah. we're, we're as good as them. What are you talking about? You know? Yeah. And you just see players on the team, guys guys like Jaden Delora, Calvin Jackson, Travell Harris, uh, guys like Brennan Jackson and, and R.J. Stone and Jalen Watson who just have this supreme confidence in themselves and they have a supreme confidence in what their teammates can do. And I think it's having a great effect. And yeah, when when you go and again, like you said, it, it just makes some of the previous comments sound like bullshit. But it's just uh, these guys—they're really fun to root for. They deserve it all, and I hope they go out there and they keep winning. Because one, I, I, I'm very selfish about it. Of course, I super enjoy that. Um, but also, these guys—I just want them to win everything. And it would be one hell of a thing if they went out and won something cool. And uh, yep in in this season of all seasons yes it would yes it would uh nothing like nothing like getting a big win and then going to a bye week so you can like and then being in this sort of a position where it's like yeah because now wac controls its own destiny for the rose bowl so we get to sit and think about how cool that is and believe in that for like an extra week like without any possibility of it being taken away from us and we can and we can build up you know yeah we can beat oregon all this stuff for a couple weeks and when we meet oregon in two weeks we're going to be in the same position so that even though that game is they have a game between we will be in the same position in that if wsu wins the it's remaining games it'll be in the pac 12 championship game and it will be with a chance to go to the rose bowl so uh which if you told me that would be the case on november 13th uh i i would have thought you were crazy so uh, but that will be the case <laughs> yeah. on the morning of november 13th wsc will be in a position uh to win their remaining games and go um and you know go to the rose bowl so uh so this is fun this is fun. Yeah. This is great. This is so much more fun than the f- beginning of the fucking season and talking about if your coach is vaccinated or not. So I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad we can just talk about the goddamn yeah. football. Woohoo! That's right. That's right. absolutely right. All right. Well, how about uh, on that note, let's let's take a break, um, and then we'll come back and talk about more sports. back so jeff yes uh obviously i didn't go to pretty fair beer this weekend because i didn't i didn't drive anywhere i didn't drive to to the east side of the state Um, but i kind of was feeling like maybe i should have 
you know, because they uh, they got some good beers going right now. Um, Guess who is going to Pretty Fair Beer this weekend? Uh, Breaking news on the podcast. I um, this guy. Max Borgie. Oh no, no. Okay, this guy. Oh okay. Got two thumbs and he's pointing them right at his chest right now. So I am excited to hear about the lineup that you're about to tell me about because so, I'm going to go drink some of it this weekend. Right now they got I gotta say, man, if you just want like a a chill Mexican lager, that Casita Lager from Varietal Varietal is on point. Um, the Ambush Predator Holy Mountain Beer is really good. Uh, they have a, another. They have a Fresh Hop Citra uh, Varietal IPA on draft. They got Ooh. they got uh, they got beers from Wander. From Headless Mumby, Dark Lager. Love that. Then and then what saved me last time is they have the those cans and and they have uh you know things from Matchless, from Lowercase, more from Holy Mountain, uh, you know, even bottles from Holy Mountain in there. Uh, you got fresh uh, fresh hot beer from structures going on. I know you're gonna be down for that you got pink fuzz uh that fuzz series is delicious i saw him actually bring out a um some of the fuzz series as i was leaving last time i was there and i was like no uh if i if i if i should go back um so yeah a lot of a lot of good stuff and then of course you know they they have uh they have wine there um and and all that good stuff you know if you can't have beer maybe uh you you know you got a gluten allergy or something they they have they have other options for you too so and then are you planning on getting food man yes i am nice yeah you're taking your kids i I am taking my kids we do that now (laughs) because i can do that now we just decided like this sounds so funny so like uh Sarah found out that Pretty Fair Beer was one of our sponsors, and then she was like, oh, that's in Ellensburg. I'm like, yeah, and, you know, we haven't been out of town for, I don't know, five or six weeks, and we were just like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know, where, let's get out of town for a day. Um, and then we started looking like, well, where could we go? And she's like, I don't know. You want to drink a pretty fair beer? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And then we were like, well, let's check out some Airbnbs. And it turns out Ellensburg has some pretty cheap Airbnbs, you know, for a family of five. So we're staying on like a, like a little farm basically where they give you uh fresh organic eggs to make your own breakfast the next day from the farm. Very so nice. we're like, hell yeah, let's go. So I will, I will be out at Pretty Fair Beer at some point. Probably, probably either, probably dinner on on Saturday would be my guess. So yeah, pretty stoked. I'm pretty Very stoked nice. about that. And Can't I'm wait sure to get out there. He'll have some. They'll have some something on TV. I don't know if the if the Kraken have a game on Saturday. You know, I wish I knew the Kraken schedule that well, but I don't. Um, I'm sure there will be some football. They do have they have a game on Saturday, so you'll be able to watch a cracking game there. Oh, college that's football, exciting. all of that. Maybe you know watch uh, whatever Pac-12 game between two uh, two Northwest teams is going to be on yeah. Saturday evening. Um, so uh, with you know big you know division implications, um, yeah. you know do some well scouting. Oregon and Washington, Oregon and Washington. Yes, that game's that was, at four thirty. Yeah, that's that was, the one. That may have been what I was talking about. That may have been. I'd forgotten about that. 
yeah so uh so yeah pretty fair beer like i think you're gonna really like it man um uh, i hope you uh you should uh give them a heads up um, so maybe very they'll, ex- they'll I, be I, around yeah i will give them, um, give them a heads up yeah so that's uh great so and you of course will be going to pretty fair beer owned and operated proudly run by coogs um and you know where you can watch uh, uh, all the coog games even if even if you decided to do that little trip and the and the Cougs were playing a game that week. You could go watch per, the game at Pretty Fair Beer. Um, yeah. And, and uh, so, so yeah, did, you got to check it out. I'm, I'm excited for you to check it out. Downtown Ellensburg, uh, Pretty Fair Beer. Jeff's going to go that extra mile into downtown Ellensburg. Yes, he is. And, and check out Pretty Fair Beer. And yeah. And so, Jeff, what is your Pretty Fair Beer of the episode? My pretty fair beer beer of the episode is the Fort George Farmers Annuary IPA, uh, which I you know can art is is sort of like everything, right? Like you know, it's uh, all things being equal, right? You'll you'll pick a uh, a beer based on can art. Uh, this beer has what looks like. Um, a golden doodle dressed as a farmer. And as you know, Craig, I have a golden doodle. Right. So that was pretty, that was pretty exciting. Um, but then I also looked up, you know, kind of what the, what the story was. So there's hops all over the can. So I was like, okay, so it must be, you know, some kind of fresh hop or something. Um, it doesn't say like the descriptions on the can. So I had to look it up. So here's what it says which I'm sure will resonate with you. Roy Farms out of Yakima grows a lot of the delicious hops. And this year, they'll be supplying the hops for Farmer's Annuary, the fall seasonal. Andy from Roy Farms and Michael and Brian from Fort George work to come up with a hop bill that fits that classic West Coast style, but with a few tricks that might make you think it's a New England IPA. So there you go. Uh, I didn't catch much New England out of it, but it was a really, really good, like, kind of and i don't think it qualifies as fresh hop uh but it's definitely got that kind of flavor profile um definitely kind of a west coast style uh really 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 tasty loved it uh fort george you know it's it's rare that fort george lets you down so uh yeah from from the can art to the beer uh very very good cool um so my pretty fair beer beer of the episode is actually one I bought at pretty fair beer. Um, and I, I think I mentioned it last week and I, and I thought I had run out of it, but then I found one. Um, so this is uh, frequency illusion, uh, by Dwinnell country ales out of Goldendale. And in a, in their, it's a collaboration, part of their collaboration series with varietal. This is with varietal. And so it is a Brett conditioned country lager hopped with Nelson Savin and Laurel uh, made with small batch malted barley, wheat and triticale from the Pacific Northwest. This beer is unpasteurized, blah, blah, blah. Um, so this is pretty interesting because uh, Brett is, is a yeast strain, Brettomyces, um, that you'll typically see in, well, it was often like if, if you got it in your clean beer, that was a big mistake, uh, but now they um, intentionally use it, and it's very commercial uh, 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 yeast. It's uh, used often in saisons and sour beers. Um, it doesn't create sour beers. People often think that, but but it, and it actually is just used in sour beers a lot, but it does give a very funky 
kind of aroma and and it's used in wines as well and so so you, you get this kind of funky aroma um and that will kind of change with time it'll get funkier and funkier so that's why you'll see it in saisons uh uh beers that people can store um so it's a very interesting and then it's very interesting to use that in a lager um so you have this very clean uh dry beer and then on top of it you have a, a lager so it's really just kind of like a really easy drinking saison and i and i really enjoy it i i love brett in beers and so to have it in kind of this easy sipper is a really nice thing um Dwinell typically does kind of brett driven saisons and stuff so it's cool to see them branch out into a lager work with varietal who loves to make lagers um so very cool um i really enjoy this uh very interesting beer um i got the last four pack um i bought it after i saw my friend brad bring it and so i went back and bought bought it i think i already said that last week but but yeah um i was really excited to find another one so i've been saving it so i could drink it on the podcast uh, as one of my pretty fair beers of the episode because i actually bought it at pretty fair beer in ellensburg so very cool yeah i love it love it all right so um now that we talked about our beers uh i guess we can say cheers to wsu cougar soccer yeah hell yeah that was awesome weekend what a fucking weekend holy yeah shit. could have yeah, went it was a whole different way <laughs> yeah it could have gone very badly but instead it didn't um yeah like it's it, it's 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 funny you know how the 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 you know the the narrow margins you know that that determine soccer matches um you know so they they start the week off with uh you know a one zero win at at oregon and oregon as we as we talked about last week um tricky opponent right good opponent uh not ranked not among the the sort of elites the the usc ucla Stanford triumvirate at the top of the conference. Um, but Oregon was right there with us um, in, in sort of, you know, what, what you would sort of maybe think of as kind of that second tier. I know WSU soccer would be super pissed at me if they heard me say that, but, but it's like, okay, so you got like, you know, the big time California schools, and then we're sort of fighting to get into that, uh, that range right away. And so this was an opportunity to separate us. And frankly, they dominated Oregon. I, I, I only got to watch really the last, 25 minutes or so of the match. Um, but you know, statistically they dominated, dominated shots, dominated possession, dominated, uh, shots on goal. Like, like really any stat that you could look at, they dominated. And yet it was zero, zero, which was, you know, that's happened multiple times this year where, uh, they haven't quite, um, been able to, um, you know, haven't quite been able to, to push through, even though they've, they've sort of dominated in, in every way. And, you know, they're, they're just not, um, they're not the most clinical team in front of goal. You know, we know that, um, you know, they've, they've had lots of opportunities this year. We talked about, you know, the games they lost or, you know, Arkansas state against USC, like they, they had chances to win these games, um, and, and, you know, just weren't clinical enough. They had wide open chances and just couldn't put them in the back of the net. So, um, so in this one, again, it kind of looked like more of the same. And then they really put the pressure on at the end of the game, earned um, earned a corner. And then, of course, Elise Bennett uh, rises up, puts one in with basically 90 seconds to go in the game. So there was, I think it was 88-30-ish yep. um, when she scored. Um, 
you know, she's just, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's okay to describe a woman this way, but she is just a beast. Um, and she I just, yeah. okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, because you know, the, the, it, you know, it wasn't much of a, uh, the cross was kind of interesting on the corner. Like it wasn't, it wasn't really like whipped in. Um, it just, it, and, and not like in general, most of their corners are not, um, but it, it just, it just kind of floated and it was pretty close to goal. Um, and the keeper, you know, wasn't really very aggressive with it. And Bennett just rose up above everyone, uh, and just, you know, smacked it home with her head. So, uh, just really a tremendous goal, totally deserved victory. Um, again, like I said, just sort of uh, showing that WSU, um, is a step above, where Oregon is at. And this was one of those games where, you know, they, they really kind of, I think did need to show that, um, for, you know, for tournament purposes. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, Oregon, you know, I mean, they needed that win. Uh, you know, that would have been a huge win for them to, to boost their tournament resume. I think they're probably in anyway. Uh, but you know, still that would have been a really, really big win for them. So they obviously wanted it real bad. And and so to, to go on the road and win that game, um, to start the weekend by winning that game, uh, was, was, was really massive, was really massive. So to to be, you talking about for tournament resume, I think where we're at now is, you know, especially after you get that win, you're more about not that if you're in, you're more about where you're going to be seated and and you get that win against, you know, Oregon, I think was around 40. Um, and I think they're now they're sitting there in the 40. Well, they, they lost to UW that didn't help. So they're 51, but still to get a road win over number 51 is good. And and so that's a good notch to have in your belt. I, I will say, you know, obviously they have this like local, um, kind of Oregon broadcaster that does a lot of different sports for Pac-12 network and he could not be less enthusiastic about a obvious winning goal with 90 seconds left (laughs) I know it was so funny I guess I'm spoiled by all the British soccer broadcasters I listen to where yes they would be it would be like Bennett Shirley has won the game like it'd be something like that but it was just like and it's a goal with the 90s, uh. like, it, in the 89th minute. Like, yeah, there's only 90 minutes. Can you uh, yeah. can can you yeah. pump up the enthusiasm here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, he's a local guy, probably maybe a little homerish for Oregon. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it was. Um, yeah, what a, what a way to win! And then they decided to up the ante on the tension. And drama with their with their game against Oregon State, right? <laughs> yeah, I missed the first like fifteen minutes or so. Wait, so, yeah, so I you missed, missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I well, I missed Oregon State's first goal. Um, I turned it on in time to see our equalizer a few minutes later. Um, so they scored. Like I turned it on, and I was like, "Shit, it's already one nothing." Like what? Like wait a minute, what happened? Um, you know, our, our defense is impenetrable. What are you talking about? And so then we equalized and, and at the time I turned it on, we were putting, you know, tremendous pressure on their goal. Um, and in fact, the goal that we scored was, um, you know, I wouldn't call it a sloppy goal, but it definitely wasn't the result of a pretty play. It just kind of a, a bouncing ball in the box. Um, it may have even been laid off. I can't, I can't remember for sure, but, um, at, at any rate, it was, you know, it was just kind of like ball was ball was in the box. It was kind of in the mixer. Um, and eventually someone got their foot on it, you know, and just kind of hammered it into the corner, um, from about, 
I don't know, 14, 16 yards, something like that. So like, cool. Okay, good. We're even now let's go get another goal and, and everything will be happy. And then about, you know, five minutes later, Oregon state comes back and fucking scores again. And it was just like, wait a minute, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Um, and look, the, the move that they scored on was, was a really good move. Um, you know, they, they apparently somehow, for some reason, found a little bit of a soft spot on the left side of our defense. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly kind of what was going on there, but they just sort of repeatedly were able to get to the end line uh, on, on the left side of our defense, the right side of their offense. And, and uh, the girl who carried it forward um, cut it back. And uh, you know, it, it was one of those passes where, um, you know, the person you think it's going to ends up not taking it and they let it roll. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh shit, who's coming, <laughs> who's coming from the other side. Who's who's, you know, because the TV usually is kind of tight in there, you know, and you're like, Oh, somebody else must be coming. And then sure enough, uh, you know, somebody else came from the other side and just, you know, banged at home from about 10 yards out. Um, just a really, really nice play bargain state. Like I couldn't, I, you know, the deep, could the defense have been better? Sure. Could we have made sure the ball didn't get to the end line? Sure. That obviously all that stuff, but, um, but you know, all in all, a really nice play by Oregon, you know, put Oregon state, putting the ball into a, into a dangerous place. Um, and then, you know, some really good movement from players off the ball to get into a spot to bang it home. So yeah, good for them. But it also was like, holy shit. Um, and then it kind of felt like, okay, you know, we'll score it's again at some point. And, uh, and man, it took a very long time to get to a point where we would score again. Yeah, you, you wait until uh, a penalty is called just as you're going from the 88th to the 89th minute. And then again, with 90 seconds left, you get that that equalizer. Right? Well, yep. You get that, that, that goal. Uh, this time it's Sidney Pulver uh, converts the penalty kick. Very nice. Uh, right in the corner. Um, after uh, Elise Bennett was fouled in the box. And so, uh, you know, to convert that, all the pressure in the world on her, she converts yep. that. And that, and then she's I mean, automatic, man. You know, she I was automatic. And then I was, you know, I, w- I was, uh, I can't remember where I was, but you were mess. I was out doing errands or something, and you were messaging me. And then you were like, oh my gosh, Elise almost scored off a, off yeah. a, off a counterattack. Yeah. Immediately after. Yep. She damn near did. Like it was, I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And then the angle got just a little tight on her and she put it in the side net. But, but it was like, it was a legit, it was a legit chance. I mean, at that point you felt like, and again, you know, momentum, you you felt like that was all with, with WSU, you know, heading into the extra period. Um, You know, and, and the penalty was, was completely deserved. Uh, The ball was going into the net. And the Oregon State defender slid to try and block it, ended up blocking it with her arm. And for real, she should have been sent off with a red. Like that was, she absolutely blocked a goal. Now you can say it wasn't intentional, but she absolutely had her arm in an unnatural position. She absolutely stopped the ball from going in the net. So I I don't know what to say. You know, it should have been a red. Uh, ref decided not to make it a red. Okay, fine. You know, we put the, put the penalty away. And then over time again, um, you know, we more or less dominate the chances up until the point at which we score the winning goal. But I really do want to point out Nadia Cooper, our freshman goalkeeper is an absolute, absolute star. Like she is unreal, unbelievable. She made a couple of saves in that game. um, One in overtime where she had to come off her line and come out about 25 yards away from goal and make a sliding tackle 
to prevent a potential one-on-one situation. Um, and she did it flawlessly, no foul, cleared the ball. Um, and then it really wasn't that much later that, that we scored the winner. So, um, yeah, tremendous. She's, she's a stud, you know, we score the winner, um, getting in behind, you know, Margie Detrizio, uh, is looking like a blossoming star, to be honest. Um, she is coming on stronger and stronger and stronger as the season goes on. And, and definitely is looking like, um, the heir apparent to, you know, the Morgan Weaver, Elise Bennett, uh, you know, basically line of forwards. Um, she is looking real, real, real good. So yeah, man, just like uh, euphoria when they scored that, you know, to, to go on the road and win, uh, two games at Oregon and Oregon state, um, Oregon state probably had lost like four in a row, but probably was better. Um, then, I mean, we knew they had a talent, at least they beat Stanford <laughs> earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, so they obviously are not devoid of talent. So, um, to go on the road and win both those games, um, you know, however narrow the margin, uh, really impressive accomplishment, which obviously was recognized by, you know, jumping them up to 18 in the poll. So, and, 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 uh, going from the forties in RPI up to 24. Yep. Um, so as it's we said, jump. obviously they're very solidly in the tournament now for sure yeah. they'll, they'll return yep. after missing in the spring season um and you know they're they're now sitting third in the conference uh that you know they uh because of their um because usc also swept the weekend uh they're uh they 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 can't catch up for the uh the conference title anymore but they can finish third which which um or they could even they may they be could even jump second. to second um yep. and and uh which would be a hell of an accomplishment and um but yeah they'll be in the tournament again um and they've just they it's funny that even when their defense finally gave up some goals they still found a way to win and now they have yeah. now they have washington and i know they want to beat them after washington has yep. beat them a couple after times in season. a row yep so yep. uh they'll be they'll be gunning for that and uh you know i don't Washington, I don't think you know they're they've done well in the conference season, uh, but I, I don't I don't know if they're actually in line for any sort of um, tournament because they do have a losing record currently. So um, yeah, doesn't uh, does not seem like it. Yeah. So. Uh, but still, obviously, um, they'll be wanting to beat the Cougs. Uh, the I'm sure they know that they didn't beat the Cougs for like almost 20 years. Um, so. Uh, yeah, but love to see them get that win. Great way to finish the season. Uh, and that comes up um, on Friday night. It's on Friday. Um, yeah. Yeah, on Friday night up in uh, – oh, that's tempting. You know, up up in up on uh, that I campus know. up in Seattle. If, if I was not already going to the Eagles with my dad at the new arena on Friday, I would be lugging my entire family up to go to that game. And we'd be – All right. We'd be screaming our heads off for the Cougs, so – Nice. Alas, alas. All right. Well, so yeah, um, so- soccer obviously had a great weekend. Uh, volleyball was so so close to picking up a huge huge win uh, at UCLA, uh, up two sets to one, and then just UCLA kind of took control, especially with its hitting in the in the second and third sets i swear they didn't miss hit a single uh a kill attempt like it was just they 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 were just on point uh finishing that game out but uh they worked their asses off to get to two sets to one 
Uh, they're both teams were playing pretty even, and then USC just UCLA just kind of pulled away, but they came back and they swept USC to finish the weekend. So they're still in a good spot. Um, they're still ranked. They're they're doing well. Um, so yeah, I you know that's kind of a, a you know they didn't get the big win. They beat the team they're supposed to. It's kind of like a, a stand pat weekend, probably hurts their chances for a, a, a conference title quite a bit that they didn't beat um, well UCLA I, but it, it does but I, you know you look at the standings they're only two games back and volleyball season goes on quite a bit longer than soccer's mm-hmm. so they've still got one two three four five six seven eight games remaining yeah um, and and their schedule is not particularly daunting you know they play arizona arizona state those are two teams that uh, i think they already beat them on the road yes swept them on the road uh and then at cal at stanford is a tough one um but then they've got oregon oregon state at home already beat both of those uh and then at utah and at washington um that at washington game could be you know fairly huge because washington is currently in second place um utah currently tied for third so yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's not it, the loss of UCLA hurts for sure. Uh, you know, you're two games back, and but uh, you know, you're two not. Games it's back not inconceivable. Have, yeah, two games back, and now they've lost to UCLA twice. Yeah. So, but it's not inconceivable. Yeah, it's not crazy. Both both so. two heartbreaking losses. Yes. that's that's the only way they lose. It's just like absolutely yep. painful, heartbreaking yep. losses. Um, yep. But yeah, so yeah, they got. Uh, in Pullman this weekend, Arizona, Arizona State would expect them to win both those. And then, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, if you're in Pullman, check them out. Should be fun. Um, yeah, so uh, volleyball still cooking, all that good stuff. Uh, and then, you know, next week we have we, we're going to we're going to have basketball, you know, men's basketball to talk about, which is. Yep. Really exciting. Uh, yes. You know, obviously. Uh, I, I wish men's basketball would have had this like super early uh, exhibition like women's basketball did because I just I want to see them. I know. I want to see these guys play. I know. I know. I'm ready. I think we're all ready. But we are going to hold off on, on, a, on a formal-ish preview until our next podcast. So you all going to have to wait for that one. Yeah, since we don't have a game to talk about this weekend, our, our next podcast will be just a basketball season preview. Uh, for and that uh, seems to make sense for for men for men's hoops. Um, we could probably dive into some women's hoops too as well. Um, Heck yeah, I have seen them. We, we did a little. We talked about quite a bit about them. A them. L- little bit of a little bit of a preview them when we talked about their exhibition game last week. Um, but they'll yeah. have another exhibition game this and they both start on Tuesday. Uh, you know, you could see both teams in Tuesday on Tuesday in Beasley, uh, Santa, uh, WSU women host Santa Jose state at seven and the men play Alcorn state at noon. Uh, cause that's a part of a, uh, a 24 hour, whatever thing that <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if it's 24 hours, yeah. but it's kind of an all day thing yeah. that the PAC 12 is doing. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I'm excited to get that going. I'm, I'm, th- I'm throwing around the idea to uh, maybe go to Pullman a, a day early for the Arizona football game and, and, and go there. I'm, I'm, I'm just you know checking, clearing it. I, I, you know, I, 
I, I've asked for a lot this football season, so uh, <laughs> uh, and I'll probably keep asking for more during the basketball season. So we will we will see um, if that works out. If not, um, I'll be happy to go to the football game. Still, um, yeah, either way, so you win. Either way, I win. I'll go to Pullman anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, and so wow. Um, I someone requested a seven hour podcast, but I think yeah, we're coming in just hours. under the wire. <laughs> not going to be seven hours. That's all right. No, but hey, if you uh, if you like us, you should subscribe to us, and if you really like us, you should give us a five star rating, and you should leave a nice review, and then you should also tell your friends about us. Say, hey, I like this podcast. You should also listen to our colleague Michael's most recent episode where he interviews someone that you have heard of, WSU head basketball coach Kyle Smith. Um, So you should definitely check that out. Uh, That will be in this same feed. And if you're subscribed, then you will get that. You will have gotten that delivered to your uh, podcast device um so yeah uh do all that stuff uh if you want to follow us on socials um i am at the craig powers on twitter and and at craig w powers on instagram jeff is at pod vs everyone on twitter if you want to send us an email podcast vs everyone podcast versus everyone at gmail.com send us your questions your comments um, we did get a question a couple weeks ago. It's kind of a, it's not super relevant at this point, but I'll, uh, I'll throw it to you, Jeff. Um, Dave asks us, hi guys, against B- BYU, did we see the tsunami rush package or whatever those four badasses, Stone, Taylor, Jackson, Roberts would be called? And do you think we'll see it against ASU? <laughs> um, I don't think we saw it very much against BYU. Because there weren't many situations that dictated it. Yeah. Um, I Got to be a def- pretty obvious passing situation. Yeah. We definitely saw it against ASU. Um, we probably won't see it a ton against Oregon because they run the ball a lot. Uh, but Tsunami Rush is interesting. We'll take that into yeah, I consideration. Like that. Yep, I can um, do that. If anyone else has any ideas on what to call our – our uh, rush package with uh, Ron Stone, Willie Taylor, Brennan Jackson, and Quint- Quentin Roth. Quentin Roth? <laughs> um, what that should be called. I think it's just Quinn. Quinn Roth. Maybe it's Quinn is short for Quentin. Uh, no, it's Quinn Roth. Um, yeah, let us know. Uh, yeah. We, we would like that. That'd be fun. But, Jeff, uh, I have no other babbling to do. So. Go Cougs. Go Cougs, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Get fucking vaccinated. Do it.